All right, well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, this is really easy. Open to Genesis chapter one. And as we, uh, I go through the announcements, you can get set up for that. First off, if you're visiting with us this morning, we just wanna welcome you and let you know that we want to get to know you better. And we have connect cards that are in your pew back. And if you fill these out and take them through this door to the barista, that they will get you a, a mug as just our way of saying that we're happy that you're here. But please fill this out and turn it in so you can get our weekly updates and, and more information from that. Also, uh, just a point of note that there was a death in Tim Lay's family, and so his class that was gonna start today has been pushed back to next week, January 12th, so that will take place. Also, in the covenant room, which is, if you go the winding maze to the far corner, it's facing the corner of Goldsboro and Aurora, the bottom level, is we call it the covenant room, and at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, that is a time for prayer. So if you feel like you want to dig deeper with the Lord and, and just pray about the service, we ask that you would go there at 9.30 and avail yourselves with that. Next Sunday, January 12th, is also our what we call our second Sunday. It's where if you're newer here and you've not been, this is your next step into come and learning more about us. And in that time, uh, we'll have a free lunch that we can just sit around and talk a little bit. And there's no commitment except just to come and sign up and just, uh, just learn more about us. Also, just coming up, there's also a men's ministry uh, event on a Super Bowl Sunday, uh, February 12th, in the well, which is back here. More of that will come out as we go, and I believe there's sign-ups on the internet. Continuing with the plethora of announcements, we're having, two, we're having a significant change to how we do communion, and this today is your first test, okay? Today is your first test. So it's going to be different. And first, let me tell you, one thing we looked at is the amount of unnecessary plastic that we were using with the communion cups disposable every week. And so we, we are doing away with that. Now, the challenge is going to be, for one, if you're a parent, we need you to parent. All right? If your kids are coming up here, and if you're an adult who acts like a kid, we need you to be an adult for this point in time. And what I need you to do and think about is that you're going to take and you're going to dip your own uh, wafers, whatever, into this. Key point, don't stick your fingers in the grape juice, okay? Just try to not do that for us. It's the hardest part about this. You're just thinking about that one person who doesn't want to make any sense. So like, if you're like me and your eyes are starting to change, you know, go short instead of going long. Don't go deep, all right? Just wait and just, just test it out. And if you're there and you take a little extra time, there's two. So, you know, we can walk through that. But you're gonna come through. The worship team is gonna sing like they do, and everyone's gonna go through, and, and we're gonna ask you to sing with them. And then everyone's gonna stand up at the end. We're gonna sing one verse and one chorus, and that's it. We're gonna be going. So uh, just make note of that. You're gonna come through, dip, without getting your fingers in the grape juice. Everyone get that, right? Parents, stare at your kids. Dads, give the dad look. You know, don't let that happen. But, uh, you know, it's just an opportunity for us uh, in a couple different ways to uh, be responsible with what we have. And also, it's a time for us to sing going out. Just together, we're gonna just declare God's goodness, and then we're gonna be dismissed. So, whew. That was a lot. 
And now my pastor's movement announcement, and it's all together in one. On f- Sunday, the 26th of February, we're having our family meeting. So make note of that. It will be from five to seven in the well, and we will have, uh, you know, we will put more information about that. But we've been letting that go. It's our time to learn more. Did I say February? January 26th. Yes. Thank you. If I said it, I, who knows? It's, it's gone. Well, cool. So now we're in our new series. It's uh, the book of Genesis, and we're going to study the first 11 chapters on this run. And so uh, this week, it's completely a, a warm-up, and we're only focusing on the first verse. And I think we can probably all to say this together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So we can say that. That's We know the first verse, or most of of us do, but there is a story here, and I want to unpack it some for you. Many of Americans now, and most of the world, are now caught up in what we call genealogy or ancestry research. Uh, We look up and we find our family trees. Uh, If I have gotten on Ancestry.com, it's not a plug, but my brother-in-law got in on it, and I began to research all my family history. It sort of becomes really interesting to see, you know, where do I come from? And, and it, what's hard to see, too, is, is some of the things that are in my background that I'm aware of and some of the things that I'm sort of enlightened to. But there is a huge push now in our country to learn where we came from. Matter of fact, Time had an article written a couple years back that genealogy was next up in searches to pornography, so that's not that's how much people are interested in it. It's like people researching and researching and looking up who they were. And so the title was how, how Genealogy Became Almost as Popular as Porn. Genealogy is also the second biggest uh, habit, or I, I should say hobby of American people, only to gardening. So studying our genealogy became a big thing. And you might go, well, when did that happen? Many researchers believe that the next, uh, next slide will show that this event is where genealogy really took a big uh, growth. So Alex Haley, he was an author of the book, 1976 book, Roots, once said that black Americans needed their own version of the Plymouth Rock, a Genesis story that didn't begin or end at slavery. So he wrote a 900-page saga which reached back and, and showed some history, and the whole world watched. The Amer- it was a number one watch show on TV. People watched it all week long. It was a massive event. But that, is, that began and springboarded the whole idea of researching your past. So who all here, let's just sort of a, a straw poll, who has looked up your past in any way? That's it? No one's ever looked back? You didn't want to look back. All right, very good. So it's, it's fascinating, and I'll just be like completely discreet, or not discreet, I'll be completely open. When I looked on both sides of my family, then I, I, went, I got back into the 1800s and the 1700s, and, and mostly the 1800s, that I noticed that there were slaves on both sides within our family units. I had family in Tennessee, uh, that there was, there was that going on there, and I had family that uh, was in Berlin uh, that had that as well. And my, my Shinkatig family, I think, were at the time, were, were, they didn't have that because they didn't really, they were so poor in the area at the time 
because seafood was their only thing, and it's not like now it was a big business. But I, I reached back and I looked and I became aware of what my history was. And so it's fascinating. So again, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the, most theologians agree that Moses was the key player to writing the first five books called the Pentateuch or the Torah, uh, that he had an ample part in it. And in Acts 7.22, you might learn why. He said, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. Moses was an educated man, and he was taught by the Egyptians. And if we look at Egyptian culture now, we have a lot of history just from them that we stand in awe of. We read what they wrote down. We studied what many things they did. But Moses was instructed on how to do a lot of those things. And so he is the key author of the first five books. In the Bible, in the Bible, we have two worldviews. I'm sorry, outside of the Bible, we have two worldviews. One is that everything is a result of a cosmic accident. Now, that's said in many different ways. I'm not gonna go into all the points, but the one worldview is that something happened and we're here. The second one is that we are a result of a deliberate design by a creator. Two worldviews, generically speaking, those are the two. Whether you call, whatever you wanna call it, those are the two main categories. So what, what these worldviews and what the questions we tend to ask ourselves can be narrowed down to maybe four. Number one is, who am I? You ever ask that? Just who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And what happens when I die? I think I imagine, say, everyone in this room has thought about that. Who am I? Where's my identity found? Is there any meaning to my life? And then, where did I come from? You know, and if you spend any time thinking about it, you know that you have to go back somewhere and have to think of where did all this come from? And so whether you're an atheist in the room or agnostic or a, a, a Christian, you will have some of these questions floating around in your head. Why am I here? Just why am I here? What's the purpose? And what happens when I die? The Bible in itself has one integrated design. So what I'm gonna be pushing you about today is to get back into the word, all right? If you have been just surface surviving as a Christian and you have been uh, eating crumbs instead of the whole bread of life, then I wanna encourage you to get back into the Bible because it will answer a lot of the questions that you might have. But the Bible has one integrated design. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. If you begin and you actually study, not just go, well, I've sort of read this one time and I've got it all figured out. If you really study, you will begin to see in pages of the Old Testament what is to come, that what is being concealed or hidden is going to be revealed later. And we also have in the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. So the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. This is an Augustinian thought. Augustine thought through with this. So if you read the Old Testament, you need to see the scarlet thread of redemption. 
is you, I mean the Old Testament, if you start reading Genesis, you start seeing in the beginning God, something takes place there. And God reveals himself fully in the New Testament. The Bible has a central theme. The Old Testament is an account of a nation. We see about the nation of Israel. The New Testament is an account of a man. We know him as Jesus Christ, the God-man, the three-in-one part of the Trinity that we, we, we come to worship today that we study about. It talks about the creator that became man. So the Genesis chapter one, in the beginning God, that was the creator who became man. Then we see his appearance in the central event of all, is the central event in all history. Right now, you know that most of the people reference B.C. versus in the year of our Lord, the death of our, in, the, in the year of our Lord, A.D., um, before Christ. Now, there is an attempt to change some of that, but traditionally, historically, they look now, most people look at before Christ and after his, his time here. He died to purchase us and is alive now. So not only did he die, but he was resurrected. And our privilege is to know him. And that comes in one of the many ways, but the, one of the main ways is through the studying the Bible. So I just want to inject right now. If you've been growing distant in your faith, you've been growing distant and you haven't been in the word, there is no surprise. There's no surprise. That is normal. If you are digging in, and, and I read this morning in our VIP group of the people that serve, that the writers of uh, the, Pil or not the Pilgrim's Progress, the um, Puritan prayer book, man, I'm blanking. They said, build a wall of, a moat of faith around your life. So you picture a castle, right? And a moat of faith can be what, what protects you from the enemy's attack. So build a moat of faith this year. 2020 is a time to focus in on your walk, and the Bible gives us, Genesis gives us a great beginning to step into that. Our privilege is to know this creator, this God. So there's a few theories, and I'm not gonna get into all of them, nor am I gonna spend much time with them, about, cosmic, about a uh, theory of the cosmic accident. One is the Big Bang Theory, and it's not the TV show. They did not cause the creation of this world. Um, but it's, it's, the, it's just where out of nothing became something. And then we have also Darwin's view of natural selection. And, you know, many of you know of his stuff, and you can read about it. But I want to tell you about one contemporary of Darwin, and his name was Herbert Spencer. He was an atheist, and, or he was at least an agnostic at best. He died in 1903, and he coined the term survival of the fittest. I thought it was Darwin that came up with that, but it was Spencer that came with that after reading Darwin's book. So he coined this book. Herbert Spencer gained accolades in his contemporary culture. He gained where people were like, man, this guy is gonna win, win awards. Like we give awards to him these days. But he came up with five noble categories in the natural sciences. Time, force, motion, space, and matter. He came up with that. 
And people thought that, so he could categorize all the things in natural sciences into one of those five things. And so um, John MacArthur came to, in studying Genesis, he came to the view that Spencer just wrote Genesis chapter 1-1. In the beginning, time, God, force, created, motion, the heavens and earths, or the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. He, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Sounds so simplistic, doesn't it? It's so simplistic, even a child can understand it. But yet, if you delve into who God is, how things were created, you can spend your whole life researching just the first verse of Genesis 1. So I want you to think about something. If I took this iPhone and I disassembled it and I tossed all its parts, and you can see a picture of the parts up here, and I just threw all the parts in the Atlantic Ocean, I went off into the depths, I'm maybe on white marlin fishing in the canyon, and I threw that phone out in all of those pieces and then a year later, I'm at the beach. Let's say I'm at Sandbridge, Virginia, and I'm enjoying the sunrise, and all of a sudden, my phone comes back, and it's just like this. Do you think that would happen? No, it's like, why not? It's not gonna assemble itself, right? Now, let's go a little deeper. These are just parts, but think about the creative element that had to be to design this. Think about the technology. Think about all that you can do. If I were to tell you, and I were to plop this down 100 years ago and go, you know, did this come out of nothing, people would laugh. Even right now, if I said it, this just showed up. It, it came out of primordial soup and the iPhone appeared. Yet what we do is we study people who design things and we laud them. Steve Jobs, we, we read books. I know some people have read books on Steve Jobs in here. You read about these people. We read about George Washington who helped promote the democracy that we live in, the republic that we live in. We read about um, founders of different things and we study them because we're amazed at their creativity. How'd they do that? And so we see this picture of God in Genesis 1-1 that he is there, but he's not in your face. He's not going, this is, this is, I'm here, I'm God, you do what I say. In Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, it really helped me understand that God purposely hides himself. And it's our desire to, it should be our desire to seek him out and learn about him. He's not all out there. He's not just like, here I am. In many ways, he's revealed himself, but not on all ways. This is what Tozier says. Few of us have let our hearts gaze in wonder at the I am, the self-existent self on the back of which no creature can think. Such thoughts are too painful for us. We prefer to think where it will, be, will, will, where it will do more good about how to build a better mousetrap, for instance, or how to make two blades of grass grow where one grew before. 
And for this, we are now paying a too heavy price in the secularization of religion and the decay of our inner lives. How much of our lives is invested getting to know God more? How much has your moat of faith grown? How much have you studied what is factual that you can lay your hands on scientifically to be a good apologist to your neighbor? Or have you simplified things and just going, well, I'm just gonna leave that alone? I was convicted about that with Revelations recently. I've said all along that I do not wanna teach Revelations. I'm just like, let, let, that, let that be. You know, it's what happens is gonna happen. I don't understand it all, therefore I'm gonna leave it alone. And then the loving gavel of conviction hit me and said, who are you, oh man, to question God? And so, you know, for me, delving into the things that are, are intrinsically difficult to understand should be something that we do. We should study the creator. We should study what we know about. And as Christians, we're commanded to do. The Bible says real clearly that uh, all scripture is given by, for the inspiration, by the inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And we treat it as a secondary item sometimes. Maybe you don't, but I have. You know, I would love to see, I wish there was a test that we could take where our faith level is compared to our level of scripture reading and prayer. I'd love to do a research study on that. If the problem would be we'd have a hard time finding honest participants. Because many of us, if I were to do the old plug in the screen and it would show how much you've been in the word the past four weeks, you'd probably wanna crawl out the back door. But if you're, if your desire is to know God and understand the creator more, that is what he says to do. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly understanding creation, rightly understanding the fall, rightly understanding how everything came together, rightly understanding that in Genesis 3, we see Jesus Christ mentioned, and it begins the scarlet thread of redemption. Rightly understanding that creation is important, our past is important. You studied, if you've looked up your family history and researched that, you've done that because you're interested. I have a, a unresearched or a lightly researched thesis that a lot of the devastation we see in our American culture is because people do not believe that there's a God. People believe that they are from primordial soup, and people therefore believe that when they die, they're just gonna die and their lives aren't that important. And so they're willing to stand out in ways or to end their life in ways because that has made their life miserable. Just imagine, I, Laura and I had a foster kid years and years ago, and one thing I learned in foster care one big thing I learned is no matter how bad 
no matter how bad the birth family were and are, that that kid wants to know who they are. And as foster parents, when you know how bad the situation is, all you wanna do is protect them from it. And so we had this, this kid who wasn't ready. He needed to know who his dad was, but he wasn't ready to see him yet. It was my uneducated opinion at the time. I feel like it was discernment. It was like, yes, he needs to see him, but it needs to be in the right time. And instead of waiting, they, they thrust him in unprepared without counseling on how to react when he met his father. And at that point, the trajectory of where he was in our home took a massive downturn. He began to get physically abusive and began to start fires. But my point is that everyone wants to know they, where they came from because their past has meaning to them. Everyone, I believe everyone wants to know that they belong. I would say that more, more so in a church or actually anywhere, you find elements of community where people want to fit in and belong. Whether it's in junior high school, which I did not fit in belong. Where it was high school, which I did not fit in and belong. Then I went to college and finally I found a bit of belonging and life. In the military, I fit in and belong to a degree. You know, and so we, we look for this meaning, this sense of purpose, the who am I, what am I here for? And Genesis 1-1 unpacks that for us, that God created God created. And that's what we're gonna be putting our emphasis on. Revelations 4.11 says, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. It's a verse that comes to mind in Ephesians. Ephesians is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It talks about spiritual blessing in Christ in Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. God has spiritually adopted us. If you, if you put your hope in Jesus Christ, you've been brought into a better family. You've been brought into a new hope. You've been brought into in the beginning means that there is gonna be a declared end. Think about it. In the beginning starts off because there's gonna be something that changed. It's the beginning of the end. Very much like I always used to confuse me about commencement in graduation terms. Commencement is the beginning, right? After you graduate, they have a commencement. You're commencing with what you have learned and you're taking it forward. So as Christians, we need to commence with what we know and build upon it and study it and you cannot do that in 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. 
And if you don't have a moat of faith and you feel like you're on thin ice in your moat even, it's probably because you're not spending time in the Word. It's probably because you're not being intimate with God. And I, I, I relate to this. It's so easy to pull back. It's so easy to get busy. I have replaced sometimes the Bible with some of the books that I've read that were talking about the Bible. There needs to be an honest digestion of both. And so this year, in the beginning, God created. He created to let you know who you were, why you're here, what your purpose was, and that you can spend eternity with him when you die. And you will be praising him. And you will be without sin at that time. It would be pretty incredible. And that's where Revelation kicks in. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I would encourage you in the next coming weeks to get your Bible out, open Genesis 1, turn in it, and just begin to read. No commentaries yet, no YouTube sermons yet, no research, Lagos stuff yet, but just open your Bible and read and digest and find some answers for the things that you're looking for. Let's bow in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, as we come to the table, Lord, we are reminded that you desire to have communion with us before the foundations of the world. You chose to create us a people for your pleasure and for your glory. Lord, a people that would be a, a symbol of hope to people without hope. God, my heart aches. My heart aches for these kids that have nothing better to think about than annihilating their classmates. My heart goes out to families around the world who are without, families in our community who are dealing with sins of their family genealogy, Lord, their ancestry, Lord, of sexual abuse, of physical abuse, of emotional abuse. Lord, my heart is burdened for the hurting people around us. And Lord, you have given us a who we are, that we are yours, that we are created by an everlasting God who calls on us from time to time. Lord, I pray that we can build our faith moot this year. And so, Lord, in coming to communion, I pray that, Lord, we would remember Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He died and rose again, and he walked in new life, and he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Lord, we look forward someday to when you'll come back and make all things new. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.